0: Hi to all of our listeners. My name is Heidi Selsler-Barr, and I am here with Heather Banks to bring you the 30th episode of the Gustavus Health Professions podcast. In today's episode, we speak with Anders Bowman, Augusti from the graduating class of 2012. He will share with us his experience over the last eight years as a nurse, as well as his new endeavor of becoming a nurse anesthetist. Enjoy listening to this episode. Welcome to Anders Bowman, registered nurse and current student at Minneapolis School of Anesthesia. Anders is a 2012 graduate of Gustavus Adolphus College and is currently pursuing his doctorate of nursing practice in nurse anesthesia. He is in his second year of schooling and today we are excited to hear about his journey thus far. Anders, thank you for being here today. Uh, let's start with you giving us an introduction of yourself.
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I grew up in Plymouth, Minnesota, and was a Wyzetta High School graduate in 2008. Um, I ran and cross-country skied uh, for Wyzetta and then um, decided relatively early on um, in kind of the sophomore junior year of high school time that I wanted to be a nurse, uh, thanks to a human anatomy class um, in high school. And so I decided to look for colleges that would, uh, give me the opportunity to run cross country and Nordic ski and run track and also, uh, be a nursing major. And that is a, that is a pretty narrow list. Um, so it was kind of a toss up for me between like Gustavus, St. John's, St. Olaf. Um, and that was pretty much it. So I, I went around and, and looked at, at all those schools and, and just absolutely fell in love with Gustavus. Um, and so then I, yeah, came down there and obviously was a nursing major, um, ran cross country, Nordic skied, ran track and field. Um, I was a CF in Euler for a year, way back. Um, I'm, I graduated from there in uh, 2012, like you said, and um, am now married to my wife, Maggie. Uh, we have two black labs, Kona and Ziggy, who are almost three years old and almost one year old, and we live in St. Louis Park. Um, I still ski and run a lot, and am, as you said, I'm currently in anesthesia school, which takes up a fair amount of my time.
0: But I, I do want to just point out, like that's really impressive, Anders, to be a three-sport af- athlete in college. Um, You know, you had to really manage your time well to be able to be a nursing major, get good grades and do three sports, so. And I will say,
1: I didn't always manage my time that well.
2: (laughs) Well, you figured it out. That's for sure. Yeah, Yeah, Heidi and I are always talking about these track and cross country athletes that we see in the health professions. And we see a lot of you um, in them that are very dedicated, all that practice and commitment. Um, really leads well to the health professions and we see a lot of students interested that do both so so we're also wondering if you could share with us your favorite Gustavus memory
1: oh man Um, I don't know that I have necessarily a single favorite Gustavus memory I think they mostly all excuse me they mostly all revolve around sports as, as you could probably guess um whether it was you know placing well in a Nordic meet up in Duluth or, um, just sitting in the cafeteria after a long workout on a Sunday with my, with my best friends for literally hours. I have no idea what we talked about for that long, but, um, those would, those would probably be some of my favorite memories would just be the time that I have with my teammates.
2: Great memories. I'm sure. Yeah. And the
0: lifelong friendships. I know you still keep in touch with most everybody oh, yeah. you were close with back in the day. So yeah. Yeah.
1: still see yeah. them all the time at races and training with them. And there's a random weekend. Hey, you want to go out of town and fly to Virginia and go climb mountains for a weekend? Like, why not?
0: <laughs> Sounds like your style. I like mm-hmm. it. All right. So You worked as a registered nurse at Methodist hospital for around eight years. Um, You were on the general med floor and almost six years in the ICU. So if you could just please elaborate on that experience overall, and just if you had a touching or your fondest memory of that time spent at Methodist.
1: Yeah, um, gosh. Yeah, actually my Methodist experience started uh, because Methodist was my last Um, clinical site as a student. And I, so I worked there with a most, most often with a preceptor named Wally, who became one of my very good friends. Um, And I, I'm not sure how, how kosher this is, but I like, I mean, I think you, you can kind of get your foot in the door doing something like that, but I eventually applied for a job there and basically showed up to the interview and the manager said, you know, what, do you have any questions for me? And I was like, what and she said she said well i mean we like you you got the job like i was just wondering if you had any questions so that was like the extent of my interview so i think that's maybe one thing that people should realize that if they're in nursing school that those are all like the long term interviews when you're working anywhere um but i worked on the the general medicine floor for like two and a half years um almost two years of that was straight night eight hour shifts which was so hard on my body um and uh i think i I learned a lot during those two and a half years um but eventually i kind of started getting more comfortable on the general medicine floor and and that kind of told me that you know it's time to start looking for something where you're learning again and so um then i kind of headed down to the icu uh, applied for a position down there um down in the ICU. There's only one ICU at Methodist, so it's a medical surgical ICU. So they see literally everything that the sickest patients that the hospital has. So you get to see everything from really sick patients with acute respiratory distress syndrome and obviously COVID-19 now, um, as well as all of the neurosurgeries and open heart cases. And um, I mean, you name it, like we took care of it in the ICU, which was a really, really good learning experience. Got to learn a lot of different uh, tools that we have to help keep people alive and um, and then maybe after being there for about four-ish years, I started to get really comfortable again, and so I was like, you know maybe it's time to to do something a little bit different. and i um I applied to anesthesia school. It took me two years of applications to get in. Um, which is, I don't think it's that uncommon, Um, relatively low acceptance rate. There's um, usually about to the school that I applied about, uh, I think they usually get about 300 applications. And so they take about 30 students every year. Um, My class is a little bit different because it's the first doctorate program, but we can get into that in a little bit probably. Um, Favorite memories from from Methodist, I think you asked me. Uh, I, again, I think it's, I think it's my coworkers, they, they were absolutely fantastic. And if you got into any sort of difficult or troublesome situation, they were always right there um, to help you out. And I think uh, one of my favorite patient memories was probably this like really cute little old lady who was basically blind and deaf. And she had this little headset on that you would talk into a microphone and she could, it would like amplify into her ears. And at one point I got her up to walk her to the bathroom and she was like I said she couldn't hardly see couldn't hear anything. And so she put one hand on her IV pole and one hand on my butt. And we just walked straight to the bathroom and I was like yeah it's just that's just how it's going to be like, I don't feel like I can tell her like excuse me ma'am, will you move that I think that's probably one of my favorite favorite memories.
0: That's pretty cute. I yeah, like
1: she's Adorable.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, and two, I, I find it really neat, Anders, you know, it kind of seems like you're a forever learner, right? Something gets too comfortable or something gets, you want to learn something new. And so well, moving from the med floor, then to ICU, and then, okay, it's time to go back to school.
1: And I think on top of that, in, in medicine, you have to be because it's constantly adapting and you're also just never going to know everything about the human body period end of story like it's so complex. So I think you yeah. you have to be willing to do that.
2: Yeah, it's so funny too, Heidi I wrote down comfortable because I kept hearing you say I got comfortable then it was time to move on or time to go do something different. So yeah, yeah I definitely hear that as well when you're speaking. So you talked about your experiences as a nurse and then applying to, um, to school. So what confirmed that you wanted to apply to school, um, for nurse anesthesia?
1: Yeah. So, um, one of my, my, my dad's best friend, his wife was an anesthetist. And, um, and we talked a few times when I was in high school and she kind of got me thinking about the nursing path. Um, and also kind of stuck the anesthesia bug bug in my ear um, and I, I think that was one of the initial things that made me think about anesthesia and she just talked about how much she loved her job and etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and so then when I was in college I I brought it up to some of my nursing professors so that was maybe something I was interested in um, and Gustavus is rural enough that there are not um anesthesiologists down by that area. So there are no MDAs down there, there's only CRNAs. Uh, So they use different care team models with kind of pods of anesthetists instead of using um, MDAs, like quote unquote overlooking CRNAs who are then overlooking patients. Um, So instead of that kind of doctor, nurse, patient model, They're, they just use a, a CRNA only model. So they have no MDAs down like in New Ulm. Um, and so some of my nursing professors um, ended up setting up some clinical or some just like observation sites for me. So I could go and kind of just check out what these CRNAs were doing. Um, so I had some, some observations in like New Ulm. And then I also did, um, a couple up in the cities, one of which was at Children's, um, and I—I th- I think at Children's was when I first like saw the magic of anesthesia. I think a lot of people don't realize like kind of how wild the anesthesia world is and how how skilled all of the the providers are. Um, but I—I I was watching an eight-year-old kid who was getting an MRI of his head. And he could not sit still, like period, end of story. He was bouncing all over the place. It uh, was super high energy and anesthesia showed up and I was with them, obviously. And they told this kid to count backwards or if they, they asked him if he could count to 10 and he was like jump bouncing all over the place. I was like, yeah, of course I can count to 10, one, two, three, four. And he's, he starts counting. And by the time he gets to nine, his like eyes roll and they lay him down on the table and he's just sound asleep. And I was like, wow, that is the most, That is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I mean impeccable timing I'm sure it was partially coincidental but it was like I was like oh my god these these this is so cool. So I think that was that was probably one of the like experiences that was like wow. Mm
0: -hmm. So did you ever consider any other specialty areas? Um I mean I I think
1: No, not really. Okay. Um, I think, any NDs...
0: programs, I guess I should say <sighs> any what or any other programs or it was just kind of, this was always your thought, huh?
1: Uh, yeah. I kind of always thought that I wanted to be an anesthetist. I was pretty sure I wanted to be an anesthetist. I knew I wanted to be a nurse um, just because I liked communicating with people. And at the same time, I thought the, the, the human body was fascinating from taking an anatomy class and then, you know, dissecting things and, and. And all that kind of stuff in high school um, and so I, I knew that I wanted to be a nurse because I was like this is this is a this is a profession that's not going away anytime soon um, you know it, it is it pays pretty well it's a stable career if you want to if you get bored doing anything in nursing you can change to a different like subspecialty in nursing and it can be a completely different job I mean if you have kids and you you want to go back and be a school nurse so that you have the exact same schedule your kids do. Like you can do that. So it's a really fluid position. And, and, um, and so I I figured that I wasn't going to go wrong going into nursing. Um, And then again, I had this little anesthesia bug in my ear that I just heard over and over and over was the best gig in the entire world. Um, And then I got to see some of what they do. And I was like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do now. I mean, it took took me a little longer to get back to anesthesia school than some people. Um, but I think I needed to get kind of like we mentioned before, I needed to get kind of comfortable where I was and then be uncomfortable that I was comfortable. Like I, I was like, I, you know, I'm not really learning that much anymore. I think it's time to time to see something new. So
2: so you're in your second year right now, correct? Of yep. becoming, I'm not sure, nurse anesthetist. Is that the, yep. the title? Okay. So can yeah you in Minnesota,
1: me? yeah. Okay,
2: <laughs> we Heidi shared with me some of kind of the nuances, and I was like, yeah, this is a little bit more complicated than I thought it would be, <laughs> right? But tell yep. me about your um, kind of what does the first year look like? What is the second year? Tell us about what this program is about for somebody that was interested in applying.
1: Yeah, so um, our, my class is the first um, DNP class that has gone through MSA, the Minneapolis School of Anesthesia. So they've had a master's program for, I don't know, 40 years, 30 or 40 years. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so now the Council on Accreditation for um nurse anesthetists throughout the country has deemed that all classes beginning, I think in January of 2022. So like this past January, everything that and beyond has to be a doctorate program. Mm. I'm not entirely sure why I think it's, it's kind of similar to like physical therapists in the past, you know, they used to be master students and now they're doctorate students and it kind of is what it is. So, um, So anyway my yeah so we're the first DNP cohort um, that's started at MSA so take what I say with a grain of salt because it might be rapidly changing we're kind of the guinea pigs Um, but the first 15 months of the program so I started in January of 2021 uh, the first 15 months so for another month has been purely didactic Um, just books studying tests I mean you name it we've We've read something about it. Um, and then starting in April, I will uh, start to get into my clinical rotations um, and I'll have four days a week of clinical rotations. So I have classes on Tuesdays right now, which means I'll have clinical on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, so 32 hours a week of clinical with um, one day a week of class time, whether that's review exams uh, over the next couple of years or it's um, practice for the NCE, our, our certification exam, or, um, or I will addition, have additional classes working on my DNP project. Um, and so that will happen one day a week. So basically 32 hours of work uh, in the hospital from here on out. And uh, one day a week of class or uh, exams, review exams or however you want to put it. So that's kind of what it looks like for us. It's, it's front-loaded heavily with didactics. It didn't used to be like that. It used to be three months of didactic. And then you'd dive into the hospital um, with the master's program and you'd have classes and, and clinical simultaneously. Um, I think the switch to the front-loaded didactic makes things... Uh, I think it makes it a little bit easier um, just because you're not trying to come home from clinicals where you've had an eight hour day and your brain is exhausted from trying to figure out what's happening with patients for eight hours straight. And then you go right into studying and you have, you know, exams in the middle of the week and you're still working at clinical and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's definitely kind of um, a little bit less stressful than the old program uh, model was, but at the same time it's, you have more classes. You have a lot of DNP classes where I'm writing papers and doing that kind of stuff and not just studying for exams, so.
2: So I'm wondering for these classes, again, without a background in this, are you studying lots of drug types? Is it chemistry? Is it statistics? Like what are these classes on that's, you know, gonna give you the training to do this position?
1: yeah so um, my very first semester i had pharmacology um, phys and pathophysiology i had a leadership course that was kind of reading and learning about dnp stuff Um, i had A science principles course that was a hybrid of organic chemistry, inorganic chemistry, physics, biochemistry. Um, I think it was just those four. And then um, I had a class, my first research class. And I think we just had five the first semester. But yeah, the, the first semester was five classes. The second was six classes. The third was seven classes. And now we're back down to five classes. And next semester we have two with all of our clinical time starting. So that'll be
2: nice. Yeah, very challenging. Very challenging courses that yeah. sounds like. Did you I, have yeah. a background like in biochemistry with being no. an major? I was mm-hmm. gonna say that's not a typical prerequisite.
1: No. So one of the prereqs to apply to MSA and most anesthesia schools is a organic chemistry class. Um, So some people will take that while they're in college, but it has to be within the last five years. So that was not me. Um, So I uh, ended up taking an organic chemistry class in order to even apply. So.
0: Yeah, that all sounds pretty intense. I bet you're looking forward to April when it's <laughs> clinical work and yes. the classes. Yeah, this is when it'll probably get really good, exciting.
1: Getting out of, I mean, not out of books, but a little bit out of books. I'll still obviously be studying a lot, but just interacting with people and getting back in a clinical setting is really exciting.
0: For sure. So if you could share with us, Anders, uh, what your future goals and plans look like when you are done with your schooling.
1: Um, I'm not entirely sure yet. Uh, It is a terminal degree, kind of like we talked about, so there won't be any more like formal education, but you'll obviously have some some lifelong learning to do just because the profession and and the technology is rapidly evolving. Um, But I think I'll kind of have to just look at which clinical experiences I really enjoy and figure out from there what I want to do. Um, I'll have some rural rotation clinicals. I'll have some PEDS clinicals. I'll have some more kind of specialty clinicals. And then I'll also have, you know, your, your generalized OR clinicals in the, in the Twin Cities and dealing mostly with adults. And, and I'll just have to kind of figure out which of those uh, branches seems most appealing to me.
2: So we're wondering, as you think back on your journey, what valuable piece of advice were you given that has stuck with you?
1: Uh, Honestly, it probably is what I almost what I just mentioned. And it came from my wife that that anesthesia school is a terminal degree. So you, I mean, you graduate from school, you are done with schooling. So learning is important, but grades aren't as important. You obviously, we have to maintain um, above an 80%. If you get below 80%, you fail out of the program. Um, So it's important to obviously maintain that, but also you need to, you need to stay sane. So you can't, you can't spend every waking moment of the day studying and staring at books. You have to go outside and go for a run or hang out with your friends, or it's Friday night, like, Go get a beer and watch a movie. Like, you just you have to stay sane. And so I think that just the, I've told many of my classmates we we frequently use the the phrase hashtag terminal degree. Um, and I will just say that now, and and they they're like, yep, that's one hundred percent right because you need to keep some perspective, and you have to stay sane.
2: Yeah. I mean, sounding, when you talked about the courses and what you're doing and the plans, yeah, that would get real stressful real quick, right? Taking the chance to have some kind of balance in your life or take a break. Yeah. You definitely would have to be very mindful of that in order to make that happen. So Yeah. yeah, that's great advice.
1: Especially when you're dealing with a lot of students who come from a nursing background, which tend to be more like type A kind of need to be perfect on everything. And like when you get handed you know a hundred pages of textbook reading to do before tomorrow like you gotta you gotta get done what you can but be realistic at the same time
0: yeah yeah figuring out the balance of all of it I'm sure yeah so what advice now would you have for maybe a current gusty that is thinking about a career in nursing or nurse anesthesia
1: uh, get good grades. <laughs> like I said, I was pretty pretty busy in college, um, doing many things, and I said I didn't always manage my time as well as I could have. Uh, it's a, that's very true, um, and it took me a little longer to go back to anesthesia school, and it took me a couple rounds of applications because I was preoccupied with a lot of other things. Like I said, I don't regret any of that. I loved being a runner and a skier and a track athlete, but that meant that literally every weekend I had, you know, I was either away from campus for a day for a cross-country meet, or I might be in 10 hours away in Houghton, Michigan for the entire weekend. Like I, I think that I, like I said, I don't regret any of that, but getting good grades would have helped me right off the bat because, The first time I didn't get in, I didn't get any explanations. I didn't get any reason why I didn't get in. They just said, thanks for applying. Try again next year. Um, And so I kind of went back and looked at myself as a, as a, basically a resume and said like, where are these weaknesses that I'm not, I'm not getting an interview. I'm not getting in. I'm not getting anything um, and I said, you know, I, I think I need a few better grades. So I went back and I took four um, four additional classes online within that next year um, in like accelerated programs where I was getting through a class in eight weeks and self studying. And like basically, it was all online and asynchronous. So I didn't have like lectures to watch or anything. It was just like read the book and figure it out. Um, and I think that helped. I think I'm a very different adult learner than I was when I was 20 years old or 19 years old. But if I had just done that the first time around, I wouldn't have to, uh, you know, take some of these classes again and spend $10,000 to take more classes again to then go back to school.
0: Well, that's good advice for sure. But um, it obviously shows you're dedicated to doing this, you know, that took time and money. And I'm sure it was, yeah, not not what you wanted to do was take any of those classes over. So very good it, advice.
1: It was not, but it was reaffirming because when I was in my interview the second time around, uh, I brought up the fact that I maybe didn't have the greatest grades the first time around, but that I had retaken some things. And the um, associate, one of the... <clears throat> like heads of the school basically who was interviewing me said yeah that's why we brought you in because you had retaken these classes and you had done really well in them and so you know we figured it's been 10 years so
0: yeah well that's pretty cool um so what we like to do at the end of our podcast recording is what we call um random rapid fire questions and they're just for fun uh so we just want to hear the first thing that comes to your mind uh, so we have five questions and the first one is what is your favorite number and why?
1: Uh, 13 cause most people don't like it.
0: <laughs> Fair <clears throat> enough. Okay. What scares you?
1: Definitely heights. I am terrified of heights. Well, I'm terrified of tangible heights. So like if you could fall from that and maybe not die, then it really freaks me out. Like I'm pretty sure I could jump out of a plane and it wouldn't be that bad because it's I can't like understand ten thousand feet, but I can understand like forty feet and that's that's not that's not okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, what is the weirdest thing you have ever eaten?
1: Oh gosh i i'm I would I'm not very adventurous when it comes to eating. Um, maybe like an oyster yes. I, I don't know I I I am not. I eat, like, cheeseburgers and um, (laughs) french Weird enough for me. (laughs) Yeah, so that'd probably be it. Something odd out of the sea. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Okay, and what are you looking forward to this summer?
1: Uh, I'm thinking about running a 50-miler in September, um, which would be my first ever ultra. I've run a few marathons, um, but I... I think I think I want to run an ultra so this summer I guess I would say I'm looking forward to lots of time on trails just <laughs> putting one foot things. in front of the
0: other. Lots of good thinking time. Oh yeah. All right, our final question is what is your definition of success?
1: Um I think I probably have to say uh, making someone else's life better. Because I think that um, I think that's kind of similar to my my thought process on the 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 point of life. Like, right there's the perpetual question: like, what's the point of life, or what's the yeah, what's the what's the point of life? And and I always answer that by saying making somebody else's life around you better. Because if we all do that, then we win. Um, so I would say that being or defining success would be completing that.
0: I, that's a different answer than we, we have gotten. I really love that. And um, I, I think it's fantastic, but also a very nurse thing to say.
1: <laughs> I suppose.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Anders, for joining us today and taking time out of your schedule of studying. Um, we really, really appreciate your expertise in this area and we wish you all the best.
1: Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.